everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Women's Sports Matter podcast. My name is John Bell Castro, and I am your host. That's right, everyone. Today, we're doing another interview, like I said last week. Today, we have a journalist. That's pretty cool, right? Can you introduce yourself, please? Absolutely. Uh, my name is James Kay. I am the co-host and producer of the Skyhook podcast covering the Chicago Sky. I also am a staff writer at winsider.com where I cover the team as well. So yeah, that's basically, uh, that's all I have for you. <laughs> that's great little intro. Good job, James. Uh, <laughs> Appreciate can it. you go into detail what Winsider is all about? Yeah, you know, R.E.A. Schwartz created Winsider years ago. I actually, I don't remember the year it was, uh, the year it was created, but he's someone that's just super passionate about giving this league the coverage it deserves. That's something that it has really lacked until maybe the last year or two. And we still need a lot more journalists covering women's sports across the board. But yeah, the Windsider pretty much focuses on what's going on in the games. It's less about the sociological impact that the WNBA has on society. Um, and we really just go do deep dives and features on things that we find interesting trends that we're seeing with each team. Um, we're lucky to have a staff of like, we have 12 writers, one covering each team and some of the best graphics you'll see in on WNBA Twitter or on Instagram, you'll see from some of our designers, um, you know, the, or Chris Watley, he's just someone that's so super talented and does a great job for us, honestly. So huge shout out to him and REA. Um, but yeah, Winsider, I mean, I, one of the reasons I even started covering the WNBA was I saw Winsider's coverage and I was like, I just want to be a part of that. Um, and I've been lucky to do that the last uh, two seasons. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Winsider. Um, it's just like one day popped up on my Twitter feed for some reason. I was like, Oh, okay. And then I kept seeing it and I was like, Oh, okay. And I just saw more and more. I was like, I'm going to follow now. Yeah. I think they're, they're doing a pretty good job. Um, yeah. I the reason I started this podcast and I've talked about it in all of my episodes because well first I was bored in the beginning of the pandemic also <laughs> like you know seeing lack of coverage makes me cringe it's like oh why is this a thing why can't we have more people covering women's sports um or at least talking about women's sports you know it's just it there's a moment when you, you stop and you think about it like there should be more coverage on ESPN or they should be nationally televising these games. Um, but we're growing. Um, I think in terms of coverage for the WNBA this year, it's, it's doing well. They got ESPN, ABC, uh, Amazon Prime, Twitter. They're doing Facebook games too, I believe. Yeah. Did I get all the right stuff? Yes, <laughs> I think maybe. I don't remember. Yeah, I mean, you hit all of them, and then League Pass has significantly yeah, League Pass, improved. Yeah, yeah. League Pass. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's been really nice to see the partnership partnerships the league has really created over this past year. Kathy Engelbert deserves all the credit in the world for really thinking ahead. It honestly reminds me of what David Stern did in the '90s or in the eight, early '80s to propel the NBA. Which, honestly, it, the you can really see a lot of similarities in the the growth of both of those leagues from like people calling the NBA being too black in the eighties where you can't invest in a product like that. Um, and then you see the growth it has when you have a really 
um, innovative commissioner leading the charge. And then you see what the, the WNBA is doing now with Kathy Engelbert, who, I mean, we're seeing the ratings go up. We are introducing cool concepts like the commissioner's cup, which I still had a little bit of hard time following along with um, the, the layout wasn't the communicated the best to the fans necessarily, or even the media members, but they're still doing things like this. And the, even the all-star game, like the all-star game format, I thought was tremendous as well, where you have the Olympic team going up against the WNBA all-stars. These are things that you have to start thinking about being innovative. What's going to grab the attention of fans and even outside of just the increased media coverage, um, just what the league has been able to do with these partnerships, I thought, and just some of these great ideas they put on the table. I, it's been really encouraging compared to what you saw even just like four or five years ago. Yeah, Kathy Engelbert has been just outstanding for the league ever since she came in. Um, at first, I was like, Ugh. but <laughs> I like as time has gone, I was like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing here. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the possible addition of a new WNBA team? I see the idea has been floating around recently on social media. Um, and I think I read somewhere that Engelbert would be open to it. Um, I know that there's been a lot of her talking about, we've got to wait and see. Uh, leagues like the NWSL and the NWHL have been growing with some new expansion teams in the recent years. So what do you think about that? Oh, I love it. You know, there's so much talent in this league already where you see players who shouldn't be cut, or at least that they should be on a WNBA roster, but there's just not, you know, there's the, what, there's 144 spots in the WNBA. There's going to be players that are left off. And I think that anytime that you can provide an opportunity for those players to showcase their abilities, being one of the premier athletes in the world, I think it's always a plus. I mean, out of curiosity, where would you want to see a new WNBA team? Like what city have I'm thinking like, Toronto. To we got to go to Canada. Ooh, that we would be so fun. But think about how much of a problem it is right now with flying right now. Oh, right? That's the well, part where I'm like, I would love to see a WNBA team well, in Toronto. Philly. Yeah. That's see, that was the number one place I was thinking of as well. Philly. Even though I worry that if there's a Philadelphia team that they're going to pry Kalia Copper away from the Chicago sky, but we're not even yeah. going to go there. Um, no, I think Philly is a really cool place that they could do it. Um, there's just some underrated sports towns that come to mind, like even a place like Pittsburgh. I think that what you've seen from their fandom, from both the hockey and football perspective, I think they are, you know, that's a cool, that's a cool city in general. Um, you got to bring back the Houston Comets, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that'd be yeah. a really cool, really digging into the legacy. I think one of the reasons why major league baseball is even still alive um, is that it has this 150 year history where you can point to all these different teams that have made, that have been kept alive. There hasn't been a ton of relocation. And I think the WNBA kind of needs that, like even bring back the San Antonio stars or the Detroit shock. I would love to have a team in Detroit with uh, the shock that I think that would be a really cool thing if they could do, but um, there's definitely a lot of possibilities and I do get the gradual approach of, wanting to see how things go with expansion. Like you don't want to add like six teams all at once necessarily, but if you do it gradually, I think there's, I think there's a lot of upside with that. Just more visibility is important for the WNBA at this point. 
In terms of growth, I feel like maybe every two years, starting this year, possibly that would that would probably work for them. Um, I know with the NWSL, they brought in Louisville last year, and then this year they're going to bring in Angel City and San Diego whenever they want to name their team for crying out loud. <laughs> I know the MLS is doing a lot of expansion, um, bringing in. Uh, let's see, Charlotte and St. Louis and bringing in Austin this year. Like they, I think in terms of expansion, they are the best example. Um, like soccer in the U.S., people can say whatever they want about it, but the MLS does a really, really good job of bringing in expansion teams. And I think that's what these leagues should be basing their stuff on. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think one of the best decisions the Chicago fire made was going back to soldier field. Um, There's just, there's something about being in the city rather than being on the outskirts, which the the cities that you just named, I think those like St. Louis, I mean, Austin would be such a cool place to have a WNBA team. There's just plenty of possibilities, but I don't think it's something that can just happen all at once. And maybe it's not as easy to get that going as I think WNBA Twitter kind of thinks that it should you know it's just like oh it's just we're gonna get six teams going it's like they just came off a year where they I know the sky really suffered from the pandemic in terms of revenue so we're we're kind of one year removed from that if you want to at least in the sports cycle where we're one year removed from dealing with the pandemic that just decimated all sports leagues quite honestly and who knows what next year is going to hold I mean if the delta variant comes up and puts us in a situation where revenue is going to be tight again, maybe expansion could hinder that. I mean, that's just the Delta variant where there's other variants that could come up and really just sidetrack everything. So I think Kathy Engelbert, she's hasn't been as, she hasn't like been flat out, like been like, we're committed to doing this necessarily like right away. I think she's been gradually just putting out feelers about that for a reason and maybe that might be one of the things that comes to mind because we also want to see the w thrive and having teams that are not ready to compete or um, don't have the resources they need to be successful could also be a bad decision as well yeah i we should probably wait like a little bit yeah. test the waters you know um obviously yeah covid's kind of like still here and a lot of people are like no more masks yeah. also don't want to get vaccinated. And, and speaking of that, I think it's so cool that 99% of the WNBA athletes are vaccinated. I No other league can do that, honestly, not, not like the W, um, especially with, you know, how well everything was, how well everything went in the bubble or the wobble. Got to bring that in. Honestly, this is why women should be leading the world. <laughs> You're seeing that what I mean. Yeah, take the, note, U.S. government. <laughs> honestly, right though, where you see all these other sports leagues like the MLB and at the NFL being they they put certain things in play where it's like you get penalized for not being vaccinated, but to see the collective whole, the WNBA, be like, oh wait, no, this is actually kind of important, not just for our livelihood, but. You know, you have a responsibility to get vaccinated so that you can help those who are more susceptible to COVID. Um, yeah, no, it's been 
again, the WNBA just continues to lead the charge. And it's one of the reasons why I feel so fortunate to be able to cover it. It just, you feel represented both. You get to see a great product on the court and then you feel represented off of it. I mean, you can't really ask for anything more in a sports league. And, and COVID, especially with um, New York Liberty player, Aiden Durr, who was, uh, who yeah. got COVID and I believe he's experiencing long COVID. The, the athletes within the W see firsthand the effects and they realize that they have to protect themselves and protect the people around them. And I'm pretty sure that's how they got to that 99%. Other leagues need to take note. Yeah, seriously. I mean, I, I really hope that Asia Durr is doing okay. I haven't really seen any updates about her situation in a while, but yeah, they see, I mean, I think everybody is just kind of seeing the ramifications it can have when we don't come together as a whole to take this on. And I mean, I know on the NBA side, I don't like to bring up men's sports on, you know, a women's sports podcast, but there was an NBA player who lost like four family members in a span of like nine months who, you know, the, the rest of the leagues, the NBA sees that, but I don't think the NBA is even close to being at the 99% mark like the WNBA is. So I just think women in general are just smarter than men <laughs> when it comes um, and that's why, I mean, we, I don't know. I really just think that this is something that all leagues, if they want to survive this. Um, and again, I'm really, I'm really nervous about what 2022 is going to look like. Um, Cause I just don't think that we're out of the woods yet. So um, hopefully the W again is just holding on strong with that because they did their job, not even just as athletes, but as people. Yeah. And, and speaking of the vaccines, I say this in every episode at the end, but I'll just bring it up now. There is a link down below for the U.S. peeps that are still looking to get vaccinated. Put in your zip code or address, whatever. It'll show you the nearest vaccination site to your house. It could be a Walgreens. It could be a CVS. It could be a Walmart. Just look up your put in your address zip code you'll find a place go get vaccinated it's not that hard believe in the science believe in the science yeah believe in the science (sighs) they're not putting microchips in our bodies it's not magnetic yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. no just uh trust the science and I feel like your Reddit pages that you're getting all this, uh, all this misinformation from probably aren't as qualified to talk about this as your doctor who's suggesting it. So yeah, no, I'm with you. (laughs) All right, let's move on to talk about the all-star game. Um, first there were some obvious snubs and I don't want to say it, but you can say it if you want to. (laughs) So are you talking about the Olympic team or like I'm the talking, actual Well, team? okay, that's another thing too. I believe it's this Olympic team and the, the WNBA all-star team. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, no, I honestly, I talked about this with Chris Pennett, who I do the sky hook with. And I actually felt that the WNBA all-stars were pretty well represented. Like I didn't have any problems with who made it onto that list. I thought Marina uh, Mabry probably could have you could have made a big case for her based on what she's been able to do for the wings um what she's been able to do beyond the arc but i i really believe that arike should have been on the olympic team without a doubt um but at the same time 
it's just so easy to poke holes and everything. Like you're going to have your legacy players. I understand that um, for, to a certain degree, but I think it's just a shame. We don't get to see someone like a diamond to shields, Kalia copper, Arike, like the, all those players seem like they are qualified and yeah, it's, it's really too bad in that sense. But um, yeah, you know, the, to, I actually thought they, at least on the WNBA all-star side, I actually thought they got it right. And um yeah, I mean, I know that that doesn't make for like a hot take here or anything, but I really just felt that, um, I mean, I love also like the thing that I just focused on more, like even past the rosters, just how great the product was. I mean, that was the best all-star game that I've ever watched across any professional sports league. But um, is there anyone that you thought should have made either the Olympic roster or the all-star team? Uh, Diamond Shields is what I was talking about. Um yeah. has a case for both obviously it was super upsetting to to see her not get on those rosters I feel like it was well deserved um but next olympics hey probably. diamond de shield is one of the most competitive athletes you'll ever meet honestly you'll see i mean i think she posted on instagram actually like a it was a screenshot of her watching the Olympics, I believe, and her saying something like, I'll be there in like 2024, something along the lines of that. And I wouldn't bet against her. She's someone that has had such a, we don't really talk about it enough. I hate using that phrase, but we, it's something that I think a lot of people have overlooked on Diamond's End, including myself until a little bit recently talking about it on my own podcast, where Diamond coming in from the into the 2018 uh, coming into the 2018 season she's asked to do so much like she's shooting like 14 attempts a game where she's like asked to be the score for that team essentially outside of Allie Quigley and then the next season this guy they hire James Wade he builds this new culture where you kind of believe that the sky can actually make a run in the playoffs it's just this fun surprise team where I think again Diamond's really stepping up as a scorer she's really she has to take 17 shots a game because they needed someone to turn to. And she was the person you saw in the, against the, uh, the Mercury and aces, how her potential superstardom coming out. And then the 2020 season happens where she's dealing with personal problems and just these lingering uh, lower body injuries that cut her season short. And then they bring in Candace Parker where again, they've given the keys to diamond essentially. And they, they don't, it's not like diamond gives them back, but let's just say they made a copy of the keys, right? Where, I mean, Candace Parker is larger than life. There was 170 reporters on that introductory press conference when, you know, Candace officially signed with the sky and now diamond has to, instead of just, again, having to be the primary option on offense, essentially, she has to now adjust where now she's taking like 10 shots a game, which is significantly lower than what she was doing before. And that's a really hard adjustment just that I don't even want to call it disjointed growth necessarily, but she's just been thrown into a lot of like high stakes situations where everybody wants to see her become an 18 to 20 point per game score, but that's not what's going to be best for the Chicago sky team that has Courtney Vandersloot, Allie Quigley, Kalia Copper, Candace Parker. Um, I mean, and, you, and then it, the bench is so loaded where she's ha- has been asked to take a on a different role and she's done pretty well with it. So it's kind of crazy. Like the discourse on diamond where people, I think there were people that were okay leaving her off of the all-star game roster where 
I think what she's been able to do, especially during this win streak, has been so admirable. And that we're, again, I hate to use the phrase, but we're not talking about it enough. And I do think that it's going to be interesting to see what happens with her in the offseason with her contract situation. And she's a restricted free agent, I believe. But um, yeah, I mean, that was my whole, I, I think Diamond's an all star um, in ways that we don't necessarily always appreciate. And if, if, I guess I'm not going to bet against her if she's going to, uh, I mean, I, if you tell me that she's going to be on that Olympic roster in 2024, I will firmly believe that. Yeah. 2024 Olympic roster. Um, hopefully she stays with the sky uh, in the off season. Honestly, that was such a great explanation about all of this beautiful stuff happening with the sky and diamond to shields. Um, I don't think anyone could have said it better, James. No, I appreciate that. I mean, <laughs> I recently quit my day job just to focus on covering the Chicago sky where I've just like have all these thoughts, like <laughs> where at like three in the morning, I'll just write down, like I'll wake up. I'm like, I have like a sky thought. I'll just jot that one down, put it in the notes, maybe never see it again. But um, no, I mean, this team is just super loaded. I mean, it, it's been a pretty, I mean, how, I don't know how much you've been following like this entire year because there's just so much going on, but like, this guy go on a seven game losing streak, then they go on a seven game winning streak. And then they're up and down the last five games where everything is just so up in the air. I mean, it's just a lot of fun storylines with this team where like that one with diamond can get kind of lost. And um, that's why me, me and Chris do the show. So we can kind of point out those storylines that don't always make it into, <laughs> make it onto Twitter. Let's just say. <laughs> So speaking of your show, do you want to go into like what you guys talk about on there, how long you've been doing it, stuff like that? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I was just about to graduate college in 2019 when Jasmine Baker, who um, definitely follow her on Twitter. She's so great and talented. She reached out to me asking if um, I wanted to be a part of Dash Radio's new WNBA channel for the nothing but net network, I believe it was called at the time. And I never, I, I had a podcast where I did like 20 to 30 minute shows that I'd started in college, but I hadn't, they wanted me to do like an hour each week, which is a lot if you, if you're doing it alone. And I realized pretty early on that it didn't make sense for me to stay at dash because I just doing hour long interviews, you kind of end up getting to this place where you're having to expand yourself talking about things that maybe you don't necessarily value um, where I think with the sky hook now, where uh, I think Chris joined me a little bit after that, I had him as, on as a guest and thought that we'd be a good pairing to do the show together. We kind of, you know, we bring up a couple of subjects and then instead of having to like the biggest problem I had initially was I would get to the 30, 40 minute mark. I'm like, okay, I kind of said everything that I feel like I've needed to say. Um, and I don't feel comfortable with really that filler content that you'll see the top, like, like some place like first take that'll just take, uh, they have like a three hour time slot and they're just going to set the world on fire trying. I, that's just not the kind of, I come, I'm, I'm a journalism uh, major, you know, like I come, I'm a journalist at heart and to, to do all that filler stuff was just not something I was entirely interested in, but yeah, no, Chris and I just started doing like 30, 45 minute episodes and um, our numbers went up after that because we were giving them better content um, that's just a little bit more rich um, and authentic in our eyes, at least. And 
It's been such a pleasure, honestly. We've had a lot of fun guests on people that what I love about the WNBA community is that people want to support one another. They want to see the game grow. And the way that you do that is hopping on some random person's podcast with you have a platform and I don't have a platform, but someone like Ari Chambers, who at the time had like 11,000 followers, she joined us for 20, 30 minutes. And then someone like Maggie Hendricks from Bali Sports, she gave us again, 20, 30 minutes. And you just see all these people that how cold journalism, like sports journalism is a cold industry where there's people who are not willing to help you, even if you are at the lowest part of the totem pole, there are people that are just going to try to destroy you. (laughs) You know, like they really, they view you as the enemy where you look at the WNBA when you go to the, I mean, I've been very blessed to be a credentialed media member since 2019, where I can ask Maggie Hendricks for advice and she's going to give me something that's genuine. She cares about you. And that's what I love about this community. Like, I don't want to cover the NBA. Like I see what NBA Twitter looks like. I left it a little bit ago because of how it's just high school kids, just, just trying to destroy the mental health of these athletes where you just see there's just a more genuine conversation happening on the WNBA side. And yeah, I mean, I, that's, uh, I kind of went far off there, but I mean, the people that have been able to join us on the show who have these bigger, like Matt Ellen Tuck even joined us on the show once. And that guy is incredibly busy and has this huge platform. I just, I'm so thankful to those people. And like, I'll, that's something that is, you know, if I'm able to continue doing sports journalism, which is a big if right now, it's just hard being a journalist right now, financially speaking, at least. Like, I'm going to join any podcast, like anyone that asks me to join. I'm I'm going on, like, for at least on the WNBA side, because I'm probably not qualified to talk about anything else. But um, I just want to help grow the game like the people that have been doing it for a while have and, like, helped me out, you know, it's it's such a privilege to do this show and be able to talk to so many interesting people. So that's my spiel on the sky hook. <laughs> Sounds like a fun time. Um, yeah, it is really hard to be a journalist right now, especially when the world is still not recovering. Um, I'm going to school for journalism. I'm going to be a sophomore, but I'm, I'm going to community college to get my gen eds out of the way because where are you going I'm smart <laughs> <laughs> no I, I did uh I actually had such a weird college story where I actually went to University of New Hampshire my first semester of college but on the way there I had an emergency appendectomy like I was driving to New Hampshire had an emergency appendectomy and then got out of the hospital too quickly so I had to like transfer back to a community college and you're from uh Naperville right yeah I'm in Naperville so do you go to college of DuPage yes I also went there for a little bit so wait do you work on the courier no I highly recommend nothing (laughs) definitely join the courier I know sidetrack but um yeah Jim Fuller guy who's been at the Daily Herald forever great guy he runs it highly recommended to especially anyone who's listening to this right now really high quality uh journalism you learn so much from doing it but um yeah so like where so you're going uh, do you have any plans after this like what's your dream job do you want to cover the w do you want to cover soccer like what are you feeling i don't, i feel like i want to stick with podcasting or announcing um just with i've been doing this for a year now um 
by myself trying to figure everything out. And I would like to do announcing or podcasting, maybe even writing, because I, I love writing. Um, soccer, basketball, ma- maybe baseball. I work for a baseball team, so that's fun. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Whatever happens, happens. I was supposed to go to Loyola. And then there was this whole thing where, like, they didn't give me housing and cost of living in the city is absolutely terrible. And I just couldn't find a roommate or anything. And I don't know, like, if I can save money going to COD for another year and graduate, um, feel like do that. I'm thinking about applying to, like, Iowa State, um, maybe Mizzou again. Um, I got into Syracuse last year, but I rejected them because I really wanted to go to UConn. And then when I went to UConn, it was awful. And so then I went to Loyola and now, yeah, it's this whole thing. I hear Um, that. But that's, that's what's happening for me right now. So I'm just going to still do this podcast as a side thing. Um, Baseball season ends in September. So I got to find a job after that. And then school starts in less than a month. Um, hectic schedule yeah I'm very busy (laughs) hey we have the WNBA season two coming up where the restart starts for the sky on August 15th against the storm and then that goes through what it's on September 19th and then the playoffs start like (laughs) my plan with this was to quit my day job build up my portfolio um, but then do the sky full-time so and then by the time that the season was over, I might already have a job. It never works that way in sports journalism. Never. So <laughs> I, I totally hear you. never goes the way it's supposed to go. No, no. of course not. I How really could it? learned that within the past few weeks. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, it's been, it's been a wild ride trying to figure out what the hell I'm supposed to be doing. I hear you. The age of 19, I think everything's gonna be fine Um, hey i'm 25 and i'm still lost so you're uh you're way ahead of us (laughs) (laughs) um i want to talk about when we have the beautiful wnba season back um are there some matchups that you are excited to see oh there are so many i mean the sky have just a murderer's row schedule ahead of them where they have to face the storm three times the aces three times they faced the mystics who i actually think could surprise some people i don't think elaine like having elena deladon back is going to be this season altering addition to the way that a lot of people think that is i mean i honestly think that she should just sit out the rest of the season because even if they get 70 percent of elena deladon back that team i don't i still don't think is good enough to contend with the storm or aces who I think are in a tier of their own at this point. So I'm, I'm interested to see how the sky respond to this stretch. This is what we're about to find out so much in these next 12 games. If this is a team that can contend or if this is just not their year. And when you look at the contract situation heading into the off season, where you have Kalia copper is up. She's an unrestricted free agent. Diamond is up for free for free agency. Vander Quiggs, um, I believe, I mean, I, Vander Quiggs will be back, but for how much money, I think is still something that's up in the air. The, the, the sky only have like three players signed through the 2022 season and Candace Parker Azra Stevens and Ruthie Hebert. So the sky need to win now. I mean, that's kind of what the contract situation is looking like. So when you see again, they, that seven game losing streak really hurt them. Like they, that 
they needed to beat up the Sparks when uh, they faced some of these easier teams in the league. And there's no easy team or easy win, obviously. And I don't, I don't want to like look down on some of these other teams as well, but you know, this, they really needed to capitalize at the beginning of the season and just ha- not having Candace Parker, who not only just gives them the on-court production that they desperately needed, but gives them an identity on offense, which is something that, again, you saw that Diamond didn't have to be the superhuman that a lot of people expected her to be after the 2019 campaign. And she's again, settled into her role. The chemistry that Candace Parker and Kalia Copper have in transition has been super important. And you just, they really missed that, just that energy. And so to see like how, again, the sky are coming back now fully healthy. They haven't had anyone listed on the injury report since what mid, maybe early June, I want to say they're, they're healthy. They're, and they're really about to get, get back at it. And there's no excuses now. They have everyone ready to go. They have a, one of the deepest front courts in the WNBA. And we're just going to see what this team is made of. So that, the, so that, that didn't really answer your question, but this is how I'll, I'll phrase it, though. The two teams I think that everybody needs to be looking at, as in I need to avoid this team heading into the playoffs, is the Minnesota Lynx and Dallas Wings. The Dallas Wings have, I think, the best offensive rating in, in the WNBA over the last seven games, and they just have this firepower right now where it's not even just Marina Mabry coming off of the bench. Kayla Thornton has had moments where I'm like, you know, she's someone I can see stepping up in the playoffs and making a couple of big shots, and I, I, I don't think that front court necessarily is going to be viable when, you know, you have two 19-year-olds or – I guess, no, Charlie Collier is older than a walk, but you have two rookies that are going to, you're going to have to heavily rely on. And I don't know how you face Liz Cambage and Asia Wilson, even Brittany Griner um, is the Mercury. I'm um, will make the playoffs. But when you, when you face a Brianna Stewart, like you can't put two rookies on to be successful. It's why they're one of the worst offensive teams in the league, but what they're able to do on offense scares the crap out of me for any other team that's out there. The Minnesota Lynx, they're a really interesting team where you have, they're only pretty much relying on six players right now, but they might get, excuse me, they might get Ariel Powers back and Natalie Achanwa, which I think will give them the depth that they've been missing all season. I believe they're in the bottom four in bench production this year. So those are the two teams that I'm like, Going into the playoffs, I want nothing to do with them if I'm any of these other teams at the top here. And I look at the the matchup problems that they can create where, um, yeah, I mean, if I'm the sky and, I again, I have this murderous row schedule, again, they have to fit half of their games are against the Storm and Aces, and they're barely holding on to that spot. That I mean, they're holding on to the five spot right now. And the Lynx, I think they get to play the Fever three times, in Washington twice so depending on how Washington looks and if they're fully healthy maybe that's a tougher matchup for them it's going to be interesting like this is one of the most compelling storylines in the WNBA is how this Chicago Sky are going to look now that everyone's back and one of the things that Courtney Vanderstoot even said during the all-star game press conference was we didn't get a full training camp we now kind of get that coming back from the break where we get a month where we now that we know what like how we play off each other. We kind of get um, 
we're just in a better situation than what the, what was happening coming into the season where Vanderquigs didn't even come back until a week before the season started where, you know, they, they went undefeated overseas at UMMC and then they just have to get going right away. And I mean, Ali quickly started the season with the hamstring problem. What these women do playing 11 and a half months of basketball out of the year is incredible. I don't know how they do it, um, but that, that takes a toll on you. So there's no more excuses now, though. All that is in the past. And now we have this 12 game stretch where anything can happen in the W where the standings are super close. This, you know, I could keep I'm going to keep just keep rattling off. So I'll, I'll stop here. But um, it's especially on the sky side. I'm really interested to see how they respond to the upper echelon of the league. Yeah, the playoffs for the sky for the past few years have been uh, quite something. I can still, I'm seeing it in my mind right now, the Hamby heave. I I was watching that game with my mom. Um, We were sitting on the couch and I got up after I was pacing after, you know, the sky were leading with, I don't know how many seconds to go. And I see that. Hamby gets the ball, does the heave, gets it in with time to spare. I'm thinking she steps out of bounds. I I was so distraught and my mom looked at me and she was like, did that go in? And I go, yes. And I was just, I was like this. It's crazy, right? We look at Derricka Hamby so much differently if she doesn't make. She shot that with what six seconds left. Yeah, she shouldn't have shot that too. Well, which and so that that's insane. And one of the other things that gets lost with that is how a Stu Do Fall hits that really clutch three in the corner to give them that lead before Courtney Vandersloot turns the ball over. I still think that Derricka Hamby stepped out of bounds um, based on the. It's so hard. It's a bang bang play. Maybe that's just one you don't make in the playoffs, but. Yeah, it's crazy how much that changes everything um, <laughs> and how we even maybe even view Derricka Hamby. I mean, she's one of the best players coming off the bench. She's a starter on most teams, but I mean, that's how she made her mark. <laughs> it's just that insane he that was just a bad basketball play. Let's call it what it is. Like you don't yeah. take a half court shot with six seconds left on the clock. <laughs> I think she had no idea what was happening during that time. And she, she wanted to get it off as soon as possible. Um, probably thinking that there were like two, three seconds left on that clock it was a bad play, but it did go in. And then we had that beautiful play when Chicago was playing Phoenix. Um, I, I forgot who, who did that, but I watched that on Twitter. There was a clip and I was like, God damn it. it's coming back people just throwing up half court shots against the sky like it's nothing like he a nurse shot Mm -hmm. yeah that oh my god I was and it's too bad too because you know I think Diamond DeShields didn't realize that the shot clock had reset so she put up a quick shot with I think the sky had like 14 seconds or I don't remember the exact time. I thought, I thought it was between like 10 and 14 seconds where she then puts up that shot and kid nurse just, I mean, that was one of the biggest momentum shifts of the year for this guy. I mean, if they get that win, it makes me wonder how things kind of play out a little bit um, over those next couple of games. But um, 
Yeah, the Sky have been really interesting. I mean, it, it's cool to see them as like a true contender now. I mean, I know there's some people that would push back on that, but um, I mean, it's cool to see them going from that that 2019 team. Is just I'm so sentimental about it. That was like my first full year covering the team because I jumped in covering the WNBA uh, halfway through the season, being offered an internship in 2018, and just so to, just to watch that 2019 team, like Courtney Vandersloot is just a wizard. You can't tell, like she went to Hogwarts. I just want to know what house she's from. Uh, she's someone that is just so special to watch. And uh, what she did in that 2019 season, like what she did in 2020, obviously the stats speak for themselves. She almost put up like 40, 50, 90 and just missed it by a couple percentage points in each of those categories. But She's just, <laughs> she's incredible. Her assist numbers, like just anyone who's listening to this, just go to 2016 to 2021, see how far ahead Courtney Vandersloot is each season assist per game. Cause it's usually between like three and four assists. It's nuts. No, there's no other athlete that's doing what she's doing right now. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Her numbers are crazy. Um, just seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And seeing her, I saw her, play live i went to the aces sky game 2019 it was right before my first day of senior year of high school and that was the game where you know the refs were trash and little twitter beef after the game <laughs> I was like, yeah i went to that one um it love that was so cool and that was my first time being at wintrust um beautiful energy going to sky games what was your first sky game experience like wow i remember being super nervous i <laughs> okay actually i guess i can tell this story now i haven't even told this on my show so this is kind of funny so i remember just being super nervous i'm a super awkward person just in general and i let my anxiety take over me and I remember walking in, like it was even worse, like a few years ago where I walked in, I was just super sweaty. There's this intern who went to shake his hand, like put out his hand. I'm like, I don't know. Like I I wiped it off and then I put it back on, but I saw him like, after we shook hands, he like looked at me and like put like a wipe the sweat off his hand. I'm like, Oh my God, this is going like, I just started this a relationship with someone who's like going to handle media relations off to the worst possible start. Right. Um, And he showed me to where I was. It was fine. And then someone taps me on the shoulders. Like, do you need to, is, um, are you in the right place right now? I'm like, Oh, am I not? He's like, no, you're on the other side of the court. I'm just having a conversation with this person. And I'm like, I, I like, I'm, I say like, I'm so sorry. I didn't even introduce, like introduce myself. Like what's your name? He's like, Oh, I'm Michael Alter, the owner of the Chicago sky. And I'm like, well, this is just not the way I wanted to start everything off, but one of my first games, though, actually was Courtney Van. I mean, not one of my first, but like I think this is a couple weeks in where Courtney Vandersloot gets the seventh triple double in WNBA history. One of the greatest moments I've ever had covering a sport, honestly. Um, that was truly magical. It was a defensive disaster on both ends of the court, and, you know. But what Courtney did that night, I just I remember being on the edge of my seat. Whereas a media member, you do have a responsibility to like, keep your emotions in check. You don't want to be like, let's go or anything like that. Like, I don't, I, and then I come from, the, whenever I report on the sky, it's obviously, uh, I try to be as objective as possible, but it's cool when you get to witness history and it's hard to 
rein that in as much as possible when you're watching history unfold in front of you. And I just remember just being like, keep your hands like underneath your legs right now because you don't want to be reacting to this. It was just such an incredible performance. And uh, it's crazy to think that she's put on just as special performances since then, because I just remember like having goosebumps watching her do that. I mean, again, the WNBA hasn't had a lot of triple doubles, which I do think we'll see that trend start up a little bit more now that I think that I think the 2k era has really taken over in a way that like everybody's just hunting for that triple double to a certain extent um but I think that's probably the first game I remember watching outside of there's one where Maya Moore went off for like 30 35 points uh that sticks out to me but that one I think like I remember being like that's pretty that's the first sky game I remember pretty vividly my, my very, very, very first Sky game, I believe, when I went to camp, I was a little kid. Um, this was Stephanie Dolson, blue hair, era, still <laughs> on the Mystics. Um, I remember the Mystics won. We still had Deladon on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember what grade I was in for that. Um, it was camp day, so we had that going on. Um, I really wasn't as big into women's sports and probably until the women's world cup happened in 2019. That's when I, that's when I started this whole journey of like paying more attention to women's sports and the different leagues and the athletes and like cause and effects, stuff like that. Um, it's just been a, a wild ride to, to witness all this stuff that's happening um, I remember after the World Cup when the players came back and it was like the first game back for the women's national team players from all over. The Chicago Red Stars had their biggest crowd ever. And yeah. I watched that game on TV because I really, really wanted to go. But no one in my family likes soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, they listen to this. So I'm telling them right now, shame on all of you for not taking <laughs> that game. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> help me out here. I want to go to a Red Stars game. Um, But watching that on TV was super cool. Um, Just like there's some energy within women's sports leagues that cannot be matched anywhere else. Yeah, definitely. And it's also just important for young women to see people that are like them on the, on the national stage like that. I one of the most frustrating questions I get from people who don't follow the W is like, Oh, why do you like the WNBA? Um, because it's basketball. I like watching basketball. I don't view it as also just like women's basketball. I'm just watching basketball. I, I go from the NBA right into the WNBA, like those schedules um, outside of this past two years, like they align. And I just like continuing to watch basketball. And I think that that representation is so important. I just have um, more of these women, like, again, like just to have these games, like we talked about earlier, being available on Amazon Prime or um, on Twitter, because you might just run into a game. Like one of my friends recently said that, like, yeah, I was just on Twitter and I saw that a random WNBA game was on. He's like, you know what? I'll just click on that and watch it for a couple minutes. And he watched the entire game. Those were things that weren't happening five, six years ago, even. And yeah, it's great. I mean, I, I'm not a big Olympics guy, admittedly. Like I um it's just not something I'm super passionate about for some reason and you know but I know I remember seeing like the women's national team for soccer 
perform and I'm just being like, you know, like I'm excited for the, like for, for these women, but then I, it took me like four, another four years to see them again, because you don't see other outlets outside of the Olympics are covering women's sports. And it's a shame. I think that when, especially when you look at it from a journalism point of view, you see all these legacy newsrooms like the Tribune. I mean, I'm, I'll call them out for it because they do it. Just, they don't do enough um, to cover, especially the sky. They just don't do enough to put a spotlight on that team. Um, you see these legacy newsrooms, which are predominantly run by men, right? They dictate what goes in the newspaper, what goes on the front page. Um, the same thing goes for some place like ESPN, where they talk a lot about the stuff that's happening off the court, but not talking about what's happening on the court. That has ramifications for young people who are glued to their phones and are trying to just absorb content. If it's not there, I mean, how are they supposed to interact with the game itself? Like one of the things that I like push back against some, some of my friends who don't watch the W, but watch the NBA exclusively, they'll, I don't know, like they'll watch the game and be like, well, I'm, I'm just, I'm not as connected to this. I'm like, well, when you watch the NBA, you're not just watching LeBron James dribble a basketball up and down the court. You have a, an understanding of who he is as a person. You know that he's into all these different types of wine. He's chasing Michael Jordan to become like the greatest basketball player of all time in the men's league. And you know, you have all these, you have all this context that makes the game more enjoyable. And that like the, one of the first pieces I ever wrote as an intern was the WNBA has a media problem. And it's because you need to be able to generate narratives and storylines um, to get the fans riled up, honestly, not even riled up, just more educated about who they're watching and a lot of that has to do with these legacy newsrooms not putting the resources into women's sports. And I don't know if you read any Constable's work from the Chicago Sun-Times, but the Sun-Times, they cover pretty much every women's sport. Um, they cover softball, hockey, the sky, I mean, like basketball. So they do such a great job. It's why, like, I stopped my, I ended my subscription to the Tribune because, and I went over to the Sun Times because one of those invested in growing, or not, you know, it's not even their responsibility to grow the game. They just have a responsibility to um, report on things that people want to read about. And, you know, we're still, we're still in this growing phase right now. So we'll see what happens. But I do think that uh, it's important to have that representation in the media, especially. Yeah, I've stopped watching ESPN. I couldn't take it anymore. It's the same thing over and over again. Like, LeBron broke his finger. That's all that's on the entire time. And it's like, okay, but what about this person that had a double-double last night or a hat-trick was scored in the NWSL? You want to talk about that? Um, yeah, I've just stopped doing that. Um, just Women's Sports, been following them, a huge fan of what they're doing together. Um, just all these different things, goal, uh, women's sports, um, all these different things that I've found just being on women's sports Twitter. Um, I didn't discover any of this stuff until my podcast started up and then I had my yeah. podcast Twitter and then stuff just showed up on my TL. I was like, okay. And now I'm like following these people. They're following what I'm doing. It's like a nice little community but I wish yeah. it was more <laughs> it's crazy how much I think I love WNBA Twitter seriously it is just such a welcoming community and the thing that I 
I worry about sometimes when we when I look at WNBA Twitter is that they're measuring the success based on what's going on on Twitter rather than what's happening outside of it. Where I understand, I, I think Twitter has just been turned into this vehicle. Um, like it had such promise, and then it just turned into all these algorithms have just divided everybody so much. Um, and the, what the I what I like about it though is that you can just have your your news show up in your feed. That's great. You have access to it. But I think that we're seeing more people just confuse reporting. We're just through Twitter. Like I even like I do a lot of. I don't have like a website necessarily where I can break small news or like even just like write game recaps where I can give out all my thoughts. Because if I, I mean, I'm trying to start a newsletter right now, but just dealing with a new move, finding a new job, that makes it tough to start a newsletter. Um, people just like confuse like what's going on with Twitter. Like they'll see a WNBA tweet that got like 20,000 likes, right? Let's say, um, but like how many stories are being written about the thing that the WNBA just tweeted? Not as many, like you, you got to measure the success based on like what's going on outside of Twitter. And I do think people, they're seeing a lot of progress of the discussion happening on WNBA Twitter, which has grown like double each season since I started. Like I remember the only person that would like my tweets back in 2018 was the Sky Show Shy, who you had on your podcast. And now it's just like, I don't think I've like necessarily am doing anything. I mean, I've ringed in all my hot takes, obviously, because I'm, uh, but I mean, I don't think that I'm doing anything too much different. Like I'm just reporting on what I see, giving a couple of like my opinions and I've just had more engagement. It's all, and again, I just, I think very low of myself, but I do think that part of that is just, we're seeing the game grow. It just has to happen more than just outside of Twitter and what we're seeing on TV. So I agree with you. <laughs> a long-winded answer. Yeah. It's a, it's a process. Um, since the WNBA is starting again, I want to know your picks for the end of the season awards. <laughs> oh no, you, this is, this is dangerous territory. Um, I know that's why I'm asking. <laughs> who I think will win. That's such a tough question. I don't think that if I had to pick the MVP right now, I would pick John Quell Jones. Um, just the way that she's a three level scorer now, she's shooting over 40% from three, where if you look at Brianna Stewart, She's, what she's doing is incredible. I think she's probably the runner up, but I do think that her numbers are a little bit down. Like her three point numbers are like her three point percentage is a little bit down, um, which I didn't expect. And I think that if you were to have John Quill Jones on that Connecticut sun team for the entire season, that they're, you know, maybe they challenge the storm a little bit. I I'm actually not really sold on the storm. I'm, I will, we'll keep it to the awards, but not sold on the storm, even though they have like a, what 15 six record right now, I believe it is. Um, so I have John Quill Jones as my MVP. Uh, man, defensive player of the year, I guess would be the next one. Um, I think you could make a strong case for Ariel, Ariel Atkins. Um, and again, I haven't really thought too much about this. So I'm, I'm literally going off the cuff, but I do what Ariel Atkins has done this season. Um, she's kind of been in the shadow of Tina Charles. I think that she's probably. <laughs> the biggest building block that the mystics have moving forward. Um, even though I know Tina's having such a great season, I I can't pick anyone who's like in the bottom half of the league as an MVP. Um, you know, I I know a lot of people want to give Tina Charles that because she's the W's leading scorer. I can't do that. So maybe I'll give it to Ariel Atkins, um, for, uh, defensive player of the year going off in no stats right now for that one. Um, six woman of the year, I think is really interesting one. 
a lot of people say like, oh, it's just Derek Ahambi's award. I kind of think it's actually Kelsey Plums. I think what she's been able to, she's, the Aces are the team the Sky are, are going to be the most afraid of. That's the matchup nightmare that I have no idea how they're going to be able to go about that. Um, you know, the one, the biggest reason is not Asia Wilson. It's not Liz Cambage. It's not Derek Ahambi or even Chelsea Gray. It's Kelsey Plum. I have no idea how the Sky are going to guard that backcourt when they have to sub out Courtney Vandersloot and put Dana Evans or Lexi Brown in. Um, but Kelsey Plum, what she brings to that team's second unit, really driving the pace up for that second unit and really just giving them this, this energy uh, on both ends of the court. I, I actually, I think I would actually pick Kelsey Plum to be the sixth woman of the year, if not Allie Quigley. Um, you know what, again, I, since I'm a Chicago Sky reporter, I got to make my Allie Quigley case real quickly. Which I think she's second in, she missed six games and is still second in the league in like points, um, points coming off of screens because they run everything through her, even though she's only averaging 22 minutes a game. Like she's been the third most important player for this guy this season, even though she's coming off of the bench. And she's been the reason why they, one of the reasons why this guy have been able to climb back in the standings after being, I think, 11th in the league at one point. So I think I would, I think it's either Kelsey Plum or Ali Quigley, as much as I do respect Erica Hamby. Um, I just, I think those two have just been, so important for their teams up to this point. Um, what else am I missing here? Um, rookie of the year. Rookie of the year. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's, um, oh my God, I'm forgetting her name on New York. Um, what's her name? Um, let me pull it up real fast. How about while I do that, uh, who is your rookie of the year? That's a little difficult for me. I haven't really been following the rookies a lot. Um, that one player on the New York Liberty, though, I have been following. I don't remember. On Michaela, on, I'm so bad at pronouncing it, but on Yen Ware, was that how you pronounce it, I think? I'm Coming up. Close to it. I don't know. She's yeah. really good. And the only reason I remember her is her grandma during the draft. Iconic <laughs> moment. And <laughs> ever about since that. then, I was like, okay, I'm following her on Twitter now. Yeah, she's cool. Yeah, I think it's hers. Um, I think so too. I would She's be, just a bit more. I would be surprised if someone else got it. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's totally fair. Um, and I guess most improved. I mean, I think Benajah Laney deserves it. I know that she was, you know, doing some incredible things last year as well. But I do think that her leap has been really impressive. Um, I mean, that first seven, eight games of the season. I'm like, oh, wait, are the Liberty actually going to do something here? Like, I mean, then their front court fell apart. Um, um, so, yeah, I, that's a really, that's a tough one. Um, and then coach of the year. That is also, I've been thinking about this because I think I'm going to try to do a podcast with Chris about the WNBA awards, like our, our award prediction. So I'm, maybe all my answers will be different by the time I actually do some research on this. I think um, I Seattle, it's been really impressive and everything. Just what I just, I'm so skeptical about them. If I had to pick it based on the trajectory of where the, these teams are going, I think I would actually give it to Bill Lambeer. Um, I think what the aces are, I think, honestly, I think the aces are the best team in the league. I just think they're just top to bottom. Everybody knows what they're doing. The coaching staff, I, 
to a certain degree, does have to give some credit. I mean, has to receive some credit for Jackie Young's improvement this year, where she's been one of the most important players for that team. I mean, obviously they're loaded. I mean, obviously when you add Chelsea Gray and Raquana Williams to your teams, like you're going to be a better offensive team and the spacing is going to be there in a way that it just wasn't when Liz and Asia have been on the court. But that's the thing too. Like those two have looked really good together. And it's not like they're not playing together either. It's not like they're spacing out their minutes. Um, so yeah, I think I would give it uh, Bill Lambier the the nod with this one, but you can make a case for anyone. And again, I think that the standings are really, it's gonna, that's really what's really going to determine this too. So, um, you know, I do think the aces could potentially actually overcome the storm here, especially if the storm get beat up by the sky. I think the sky are a really difficult team for that storm team. When you, when you look at how the storm are constructed, they have their two, MVP candidates, right? You have Brianna Stewart and Jewel Lloyd, who are incredible players, um, having great scoring seasons this year. But then you look at the rest of that roster, and Sue Bird will get hers. Obviously, she's averaging, I think, like 10 points per game this year, which is solid. But I don't know who is going to step up in the playoffs outside of that. Like Katie Lou Samuelson, who I think has had really solid moments, actually. Um, someone that's just always been underrated for her passing ability, even though she hasn't quite blossomed into the player that the sky thought that she would um, maybe the wings thought she potentially could when she was traded there. But um, I don't I mean, I, I, I look at the rest of that roster. And I'm just, I'm curious to see how, like who's going to end up coming up clutch for them as scoring options. Cause when you lose Sammy Whitcomb, Alicia Clark and Natasha Howard, there was going to be some holes and it's been pretty remarkable for this storm team to get to the place where they're at. And actually just to bring up a couple of stats from the last um, five games of the season, they, so that they were pretty much in the top five in every offensive category for the whole season. But in the last five games, like they've just dropped off like to being kind of like kind of um, five or lower in some categories, like they're, they're shooting like their three point percentage hasn't really changed, but um you know, their turnovers have gone up a little bit. That kind of concerns me. And um, the offense, again, just just looks stagnant at times. Um, but again, you have Brianna Stewart and Jewel Lloyd. But if you give James Wade three games to game plan against those two players and you have a roster in the, in the sky or like averaging like 38 points per game coming off of the bench, I don't know how you game plan for that. I really don't know how you do that. And I think that if you see the storm really, you know, if they lose two out of three games, they play the sky in, maybe that doesn't happen, but if they do, I think the aces are really going to come up here and really just sweep some of these awards, like the award season potentially, because what they've been able to do. Um, I, I just think they're clearly the best team in the league. Um, and that really changes how this award layout is. I mean, that this award season is going to look. Um, so that's the thing I would be looking out for just in terms of, the W as a whole. As much as I hate to say it, the Aces are the best team. Seattle yeah. is also like, what is going on? Um, I also thought with New York that there was something happening because I was super pumped. And then I was like, okay, that's over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Time to focus on bad. the sky again. Yeah. yeah. It's too bad. I, I had Miles um, Ehrlich on my podcast before the start of the season to do some award picks. And I asked him, he's the most positive person I know. And he said that he thought 
the, you know, the Liberty are going to su- surprise some people I'm like, okay, but where do you see them in the standings? Like, I think they're like a fringe playoff team. And then you, they start off what, like five and two, something crazy like that. Thought that they could make a run at it. And then their front court falls apart, losing it. Natasha Howard, who actually, she might be coming back. So hopefully that happens, but yeah, the New York Liberty are a fun team though. It's just good to have like a good league pass team, like the Liberty who are just going to shoot 33s a game. And, um, you know, we'll create some fun moments from beyond the arc that I, not all WNBA teams utilize just yet. So I love watching the Liberty, such a great team. Yeah. Yeah. So to wrap things up here. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to ask you for, I know we talked about expansion teams. Mm-hmm. Where is somewhere that should not get an expansion team? <laughs> oh, man. I think that it would be a terrible idea that the market isn't right for it. Um, this could be a hot take, I guess, and then and, and things with a hot take. I'll, I'll give an answer. but you can, Yeah, go for it. You know, you can go for oh, it. Oh, okay, sure. But well, I'll the one that comes... I just think any team that's in Tampa, Tampa Bay needs to be moved out. Like I, there is nothing exciting happening in Tampa Bay, not to just completely rip that city apart, but I lo- I'm a big play, a big baseball guy. Love watching playoff baseball, especially. And I look at a team like the Tampa Bay Rays who are one of the best teams in baseball, but yet can't field, like get an entire fan base out to the stadium. Actually screw that. We're not putting a WNBA team in Tampa Bay, um, <laughs> but I don't, I don't have any, I just want to see more WNBA teams. So I don't want to slander any place, but I just had a conversation last night about Tampa Bay and how everyone needs to be moved out there. So yeah, no Tampa Bay, we're not putting a WNBA team out in Tampa Bay. Let's, uh, let's not do that. Um, how about you? <laughs> let's avoid Buffalo. I feel like that would not be a place that it would be a smooth sailing kind of thing. Think Buffalo is a big no-no for me. Well, also, who wants to sign with Buffalo? Those, I mean, I guess you're only signing there for the summer and then you go off overseas, but those winters yeah. couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. No, thank you. <laughs> it's bad enough here. I know. Seriously. Like, yeah, no, Chicago winters are horrible, but just to be a little bit farther up north for to be in Buffalo, I mean, I, I mean, I think it's a great, great city and everything, but I uh I don't know if I'm a free agent, I'm deciding between going to play in Las Vegas or even Dallas. I, I pick those. Uh, I probably pick those over going to Buffalo for an expansion team. So yeah, I'll veer away from that one. Yeah. <laughs> so is there anything that you would like to shout out or mention really quickly before we end things here? Yeah, honestly, just keep supporting podcasts like this. Women's sports matter. It's not, not just a fun podcast name. It's something that, if you're a aspiring reporter out there, just we don't need another MNBA report. Like we've had, we're we're taking care of on the men's side, all right. Like we really need more people willing to put like take time to cover women's sports because it's not just an opportunity for you to like shed some light on sports leagues that really need the coverage, but. That's how you can be super successful covering women's sports leagues. I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize right now. Niche journalism is so undervalued right now where you just go out and find that community that, that has like a following, um, but doesn't have anyone reporting on it. And I'm telling you, it's not even just something that will be so fulfilling for yourself, but something that you're making a difference. Like I, you know, I don't, I, again, I don't, 
think highly of, uh, I don't know if highly, how about this? Like I, I value what I do with the sky hook. Um, and, but like, even our numbers aren't where I want them to be just yet. But even we consistently have like in the first day when we get a pot, like when we put up a podcast, we get like 60 people that are listening. You, there's an op, like there's an opportunity there to like build off an audience like that. And just because you see that, like, maybe you're not getting the results you want right away. Building that foundation is so important and it's really needed right now in women's sports. So besides that, um, obviously listen to the Skyhook podcast. Me and Chris love talking about the Chicago sky for, you know, 30, 40 minutes each week. And, um, and again, follow Windsider. They're working so hard and, to put the, um, you know, they have a Patreon, please support that because what, how much it goes into running that website and, um, you know, being able to pay reporters what they, you know, need to be paid is super important as well. So anytime you can invest in local journalism or niche journalism within women's sports, I think is incredibly important. So that's uh, my last long-winded answer for today. (laughs) Well, I want to thank you again for coming on this show. Um, I love having different kinds of guests on here. Uh, it's also—it's just awesome to talk about the WNBA with someone that watches um, and someone that you know pays very close attention. I don't really have that in my family. I guess I don't want again, family. I'm talking about you. You don't watch the WNBA. <laughs> my mom does sometimes, um, but yeah. So here's my little end spiel. Oh, where can people follow you on social media? Sure. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty active on Twitter. Um, I haven't been up since the Olympics started because I just needed a break from that. But you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is uh, at James underscore M underscore K-A-Y. And yeah, you'll just get a ton of Chicago Skies uh, stuff in your, you know, in your uh, in your feed. So I, I'm warning you ahead of time if you follow me. It's just going to be a bunch of stats about the Chicago sky and some uh, hot takes that might not even be a little bit right, but they're out there. <laughs> well, thank you for giving that information up for people to go follow you if they want to. Well, time for me to give up my beautiful, beautiful social media stuff. So I'm on a lot of places. On Twitter, you can follow me at WSM Podcast. And that is the same thing for Facebook. Again, at WSM Podcast. On Instagram, it's different because I like to be creative. You can follow me at Woman Sports Matter. You don't get to have very long Twitter handles. So <laughs> gotta, you know, shorten it up to WSM. Um, <laughs> hey, that's the move though. I our handle for the skyhook is at Sky Hookin, which I was such a mistake. I was like, it was a little bit of a throwaway handle. And now I'm like, it should have been the Sky Hook pod. So what you're doing there, you know, that works. And, uh, and again, what you're doing here is so great. So I appreciate you having me on. I don't think, it, let's see, is there anything else that I want to say? Oh, watch the W when it comes back. Keep watching the Olympics. I'm tweeting about the Olympics um, sometimes. I love seeing like the different things that the athletes have to say and especially what they're posting on TikTok Been following a lot of them on TikTok. I don't have a TikTok. That would be really bad. And I'm bad at social media anyway. So I don't have that. I do have a YouTube channel that I'm trying to restart, 
Um, so it's just the Woman Sports Matter podcast. If you want to click subscribe, we're six subscribers strong, I believe. Eh, really Let's strong. Let's go. It's got to really start somewhere. Strong. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I post episodes every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central Time. So mark your calendars, everyone. Also, you can follow me on Spotify. You can subscribe to my podcast on Apple Podcasts and a bunch of other places. They are listed down below in the description thing because that's what I'm going to call it. <laughs> else that I want to say. Oh, if you are someone listening and you think you would be a great guest on here or you think that someone else would be, my email is also listed down below. I don't appreciate all the spam emails I've been getting. <laughs> But that's that. Um, I think we're going to end it here. I don't know anything else to say. Tune in next time when we have another journalist on, I believe. I believe it is another journalist or else it's just going to be me talking by myself (laughs) alone in this office in my house. Um, So I guess maybe a guest on next week. I don't know. Not really sure yet. Keep it fluid. Maybe. We'll see. (laughs) But it was really nice talking to you, James. Yeah, I'm going to end the podcast here. So thank you all so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe and follow me on social media accounts because got to stay updated. That's going to mm-hmm. be it for me. Thank you all for listening. See you guys next time. That's all, folks. Bye-bye.